Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. On this Easter Sunday, I'd like to speak on the subject, the crown of the king, the crown of the king. Crowns have always been the sign of power, authority, and prosperity. Charlemagne, whom historians say should deserve to be called one of the greats of kings, he wore an octagonal crown. Each of the eight sides was a plaque of gold, and each plaque was studded with emeralds and sapphires and pearls. The cost of this crown, some say, was the king's ransom, so valuable. It was Richard the Lionhearted who had a crown so heavy that two earls had to stand one on either side to hold his head up while he wore it. The crown that Queen Elizabeth wears is estimated to be worth $20 million. It's amazing that crown that she wears. Edward II once owned nine crowns, and they say that's somewhat of a record. But crowns distinguish kings and queens. They are a symbol of power. They're a symbol of conquest. They're placed on the head of a leader to declare that this person is in absolute control and has all authority as related to the designated Domain. On August 19th, 1239, King Louis IX of France took off his ornate crown from his head in deference to another crown. He took it off as another crown arrived in Paris on that day. It would be on that day, August 19th, 1239, that the religious relic of the crown of thorns arrived in Paris. King Louis IX, a devout man who would later be canonized as St. Louis of France, in which St. Louis, Missouri is named after, took off his own crown and royal robe to walk barefoot behind the supposed crown of thorns that Jesus had worn on the day of his crucifixion. So King Louis IX humbly walked behind this relic as it was carried to the unfinished Saint-Chapelle, the chapel of the French kings. When the French Revolution occurred in the late 18th century, many relics and treasures of the church were lost. However, Napoleon saved the crown of thorns, and it was kept at the National Library until 1804, At that time, Christ's crown was returned then to the Archbishop of Paris, and on August 10th, 1806, it was placed in the Cathedral of Notre Dame. The crown of thorns is a small detail that is discussed in three of the four Gospels about the life of Jesus. It is discussed during the final week of Jesus' life. That week begins with Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. 
he is celebrated. And then the next day, he overturns the money changers, and he begins to debate in the synagogue. That week would lead with him beginning to have a last supper with his disciples, and then moving them into a garden where he prayed and they slept. There was then the betrayal and the arrest by the Roman military mob, and then the questioning, the trial. It would be followed then by a scourging, a beating so severe, and then finally a crown of thorns was put together that would be put on his head. This is the final act before Jesus is led to the cross. The crown is placed on his head. Matthew describes the account in detail. The gospel of Matthew says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified." The crown of thorns was a punctuation mark at the trial of Jesus. I would suggest today that it was an exclamation mark of the trial. Now leaving one act of execution to be completed, these Jews and Romans could finally move on from this footnote of historical distraction. And so, just as crowns symbolize power. Crowns symbolize authority and prosperity. This crown of thorns had symbolism. But its symbolism was not meant to demonstrate power, authority, or prosperity. In fact, the opposite is true. The opposite is true of this supposed con man, Jesus of Nazareth. First, this crown of thorns was intended to be a mockery of his fraudulent scam existence. In Matthew 27, it tells us when they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And putting this crown on his head and putting a reed in his hand, they were making a clear statement to everyone And to Jesus that he was in fact just a joke. They bowed their knee. They mocked him saying, hail king of the Jew. This crown, this crown of thorns was not a symbol of authority over principalities like other kingly crowns. But it was a symbol of deception. It would be the symbol of deception that would have them put a sign over the cross that read, this Jesus, the king of the Jews. It would be this symbol of deception that would have chief priests saying, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from this cross and we will believe him. This crown of thorns was a symbol of deception. 
Secondly, the crown of thorns was an over-the-top act of cruelty. It was unnecessary to what they were ultimately trying to do to Jesus to put a crown of thorns on his head. They were trying to kill him. It was unnecessary for them to put a crown of thorns on his head. They had tried him. They had sentenced him. They had beaten him. They had a cross waiting for him. Why the crown of thorns? Why would they have to go through this act of cruelty? Why would they have to add pain to his life? Why would they have to add this humility? It was just cruel. The other two criminals who faced the same judgment as Jesus that were on either side of him did not have a crown of thorns twisted on their head. These thorns were an inch or two inches long. We have kind of a sort of replica of what a crown of thorns would have looked like, and that would have been pushed down into the skull. It wasn't set on their head gently, but it would have been crushed into his head so that when that those thorns went into his brow, that he would begin to bleed profusely from his head, and it would run down into his eyes, making him virtually blind. This was not necessary. They were already going to nail him to a tree. They were already going to asphyxiate him, cause him asphyxiation through the, the instrument of crucifixion. This crown of thorns was not necessary. This crown, this crown of thorn was not a symbol of power over enemies like other crowns, but it was a symbol of cruelty that demonstrated that Jesus was actually powerless. Thirdly, this crown of thorn was a product of something that was significant. It was the product of the curse of God. Genesis 3 tells us, God said to Adam, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake and toil you have eaten of it all the days of your life. And he says, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you and you shall eat the herb of the field. This crown of thorns was literally born out of the curse of God. This crown, this crown of thorns was not a symbol of prosperity like the other crowns were a flat, made of flour and jewels. But this crown was made of thorns and was pushed down onto the head of Jesus as a symbol of the absolute poverty and emptiness that saw, they saw in him. He had nothing. He was nothing. He was cursed. And he wore the crown of a curse. And what we realize is that the crown of thorns was really the ultimate symbol of sin. It was the crown of sin. Like the crown of thorns was a symbol of deception they saw in Jesus, so too we must understand that sin is a deceiver. Sin is a fraud. Sin is a liar. Sin promises things it cannot deliver. Sin promises light, but it delivers darkness. Sin promises love, but it delivers hate. Sin promises peace, but it always delivers confusion. And like the crown of thorns that was a symbol of cruelty, we must understand that sin is a cruel 
taskmaster. Sin lacks mercy. Sin is never satisfied. Sin produces brokenness. Sin creates heartless acts of violence. Sin is cruel. And like the crown of thorns was a symbol of the curse, sin produces the ultimate curse, and that is death. Paul would write to the Romans and say, for the wages of sin is death. But Jesus knew that the curse of sin would be laid on him. He knew this was going to happen, and so he prayed in the garden in Matthew 26, 39. Oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I would prefer in my human state not to have to wear this crown, but I understand that I have to wear it. He started this week off, this week of crucifixion off with people chanting and celebrating him, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. They were calling him King at the beginning of the week, but with a different tone. But by the end of the week, he would be crowned King. But it was not a royal crown. It was not a crown of power. It was not a crown of authority or a crown of prosperity. He would be crowned with deception. He would be crowned with cruelty. And he would be crowned with a curse. But what we realize is that he submitted to the crown. He wore it anyway. Why would he go through with it? I submit today that he would go through with it because he would say, I'll go ahead and experience the deception of sin. I'll go ahead and take the cruelty of sin. And I'll go ahead and be crowned with the curse of sin. And so he did not just become a king of power in this moment. He became the king of the curse. That's why Isaiah would write, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. But let me tell you why he became the king of the curse. He became the king of the curse so that he could become the king of kings. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it tells us, For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered, suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. He bore that crown of thorns so that you and I could find relief from the curse of sin. 
This past Monday, April 15th, 2019, around 6.30 in the evening, a destructive fire swept through the roof of the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, France. The fire devastated that iconic landmark that was such a beautiful sight in the heart of Paris. Years ago, Kristen and I visited there and even attended a service there. But just mere hours after this fire had begun, just mere hours before, I should say, this fire had begun, our own academy, our high school students from the Calvary Academy had visited the site. And they were only blocks away when the fire began to rage through the centuries-old structure. They would be eyewitnesses of this historic fire with several local Cincinnati news organizations even acknowledging our school's presence there in Paris. But it was on this day, just this week, that Father Jean-Marc Frenier, chaplain to the Paris Fire Brigade, was on his way to a dinner with a local bishop to join a group of military chaplains on Holy Monday on this day when he noticed the black smoke towering over the French capital. He looked at his phone and saw many missed messages telling him that the cathedral was on fire. This priest who served in Afghanistan as an army chaplain then immediately rushed to Notre Dame and where he was greeted by the French president and then he was greeted by his wife and the archbishop. He says quickly, we focused on the priority and the priority was the relics of the passion. And so their first attempt, their first job was to get one of the relics that was considered most precious. It was the crown of thorns that was locked in a safe. This was the crown of thorns that King Louis IX had acquired in 1239. This was the crown of thorns that Napoleon had placed at the Cathedral of Notre Dame in 1806. Rather than lose this relic, this priest decided he wanted to do what he could to save the crown of thorns. He said, we must find the key, and above all, we need to find the code. But he said, we're struggling because we can't find anybody who has what we need. And so people began to search, and people began to look everywhere, and groups began to go into the building and began to save different artifacts that they wanted to save. But on their mind was the crown of thorns. Until finally some firefighters and other religious leaders, they were able to find someone who had the key and who had the code. And so they opened that safe and they pulled out that crown of thorns and they saved the crown of thorns. And Father Fournay is credited with saving the crown of thorns. What he did was wonderful. He saved that precious religious relic, the crown of thorns, the supposed crown of thorns of Jesus from destruction. However, let me suggest this morning that we are not merely called to save the crown of thorns, 
but we must let the crown of thorns save us. The crown of thorns were meant to save us. See, we all have our own crowns that we wear. We all have our own mindsets, our, our own deceptive ways. We all have our own attitudes that are cruel and judgmental to others. We all have our thoughts that are sinful. And that's why the Apostle Paul would say in Corinthians that we are to cast down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought to the captivity, to the obedience of Christ. So at the end of time, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 4, verse 9, that writer said, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down and they before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. And we're invited not to save the crown of thorns, but to let the crown of thorns save us. We're to lay down our crowns at the feet of Jesus. We're to lay our crown down at the work of what Christ did on the cross. And like King Louis IX, I must willingly lay down my crown at the arrival of the crown of thorns. As Christ begins to become visible in your life. And today, if you're here and suddenly you're feeling like, you know what? I need to turn my life to the Lord. I need to surrender my life to the Lord. Let me tell you what it takes. It takes you taking off your crown, your ways, your mindset, your thoughts, and saying, you know what? I'm going to lay them down at the feet of a God who died for my sins, a God who wore the crown of cruelty, who wore the crown of deception, and lay him at his feet. You see, you can put all the crowns ever worn in the world together from all of Europe and from all the archives of the East, and all of them are but trinkets compared to Christ's crown. Among those crowns, one shines above the rest. It was not formed by the skilled fingers of a silversmith, not created by the genius of a craftsman. It was put together, though, by the rough hands of a Roman soldier. And it was not placed on his head, the wearer's head, Jesus' head, in pomp and ceremony. But it was in the hollow mockery of ridicule and blasphemy. It is the crown of thorns. The amazing thing is that in reality, that crown belonged to me. I deserve to wear that crown. My sin was the cause of that crown. It was my sin that was the cause of that curse. It was the sin of us that were the reason for those thorns to be pushed into his brow. I deserve to feel the hot trickle of blood flow down my brow. I deserve the pain. It was my sin that brought the curse. But Jesus took that crown of thorns.
And what he did was turn that crown of thorns into a crown of glory. What he did was turn that crown of sin into a crown of salvation. He turned that crown of a curse into a victor's crown. And that's what John, the writer, the apostle John saw in a vision on an isolated island. He said, now I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except him. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white Horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. That crown that once spoke of judgment, that crown that once spoke spoke of sin and a curse, now became a crown that he wore that spoke of his power and authority over everything that can be named, every dominion, everything in this life. He said, I can conquer it. I can have dominion over it. And that crown of thorns, that crown of the curse was what allowed him to become the king of kings and lord of lords. And I want to help somebody today. I don't know why you're here today. I don't know why you showed up here on Easter Sunday. But let me tell you today that we serve a God. We serve Jesus Christ who is still the king of kings and the lord of lords. He has literally conquered everything in this world. And so I don't care. I don't care what demons in hell try to push against you. Can I tell you, he's conquered every demon in hell. I don't know what addiction you have. I don't know what kind of addiction you're struggling with. But let me tell you, he's still the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You can name the addiction. You can name the disease. You can name the backsliding. You can name the struggle. You can name the tragedy. You can name it all. He is the king. King of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh, hallelujah. That's the God that we serve today. He wears a victor's crown. He wears a victorious crown. He has conquered it all. Oh, hallelujah. 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 And so today you and I have an opportunity. We can walk around in life and keep wearing our own crowns and keep acting like we're the the king of our world. And guess what we're gonna get? We're gonna get what sin always gives us. Confusion, deception, cruelty, anger, wrath, malice, you name it. That's what sin gives us. And you can walk around with that crown today. Or you can lay that crown down at this altar this morning. And there's a better crown. There's another crown, a crown that's marked with the blood of Jesus, a crown that's marked with forgiveness and mercy and grace, a crown 
a crown that's literally marked with peace. And today in this room, God wants to bring somebody peace today. In your chaotic world, in your broken world, in your bound world, in your addicted world, there's a God of peace that wears a crown that started out as a crown that was cursed, but it became a crown of glory. So you and I have the choice today. We can surrender to his crown or we can leave this building today wearing our crown. Today, I petition you. There's salvation in this room because of this crown. There's eternal life in this room because of this crown. This crown of thorns born on a fateful week. This crown offers the opportunity for you to find the mercy and grace of God. It begins with an act of repentance. It begins with an act that says, you know what? I'm going to change my mind. I'm going to put my mind towards Christ. And I'm going to lay my thoughts, my ways down. The Bible calls on us then to repent and then be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? For the forgiveness of our sins. Forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so again... We go down in the water of baptism and we lay down our ideas and we say, I want to take on his name. I want to wear his name. I want to be a part of his family. And he offers us the opportunity to experience the wonder and power of the Holy Spirit. God's spirit literally living on the inside. The Bible tells us that when we receive his spirit, it's marked with evidence that you know that you've received this spirit. The Bible says, with evidence of speaking in other tongues, speaking in a language you didn't know, that's the evidence of God's spirit being poured into your life. And I believe that one of the reasons for that is because the the book of James says that the tongue is the most unruly member of the body. That our tongue, our speech is the most unruly thing in our life. And God says, I want to take the thing that's most unruly and I want to have control. And so we lay our crowns down and we receive his spirit. And with that comes a life of peace, a life where you're not living for yourself, you're not living for your own, but you're living so that Christ can be glorified and you wear his crown. Would you stand with me this morning? Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 tells us, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. This is talking about Jesus. The government will be on his shoulder, the kingdom, the dominion will be on his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It says, of the increase of his government and the increase of his peace, there will be no end. 
upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from this time forward, even forever. That the Prince of Peace is in this room today. And I don't know what you're praying about in your life. I don't know if you're praying about anything particular. I don't know why you're here, but today I want to give opportunity for the Prince of Peace to show up in your life. I want to give opportunity for the Prince of Peace to show up in your life and give you a peace, as the Bible says, that passes understanding. Do I have any witnesses in here of people who have felt the peace of God in the midst of a troubling storm? Where you're going through some chaos in your life, but there's this peace. You might face sadness. You face loneliness. You face heartache. Those things are natural. Those emotions are natural. But yet, in the middle of it all, there's this peace that passes understanding. It's because you know that God is in control. There's nothing like that feeling of surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. It's the best feeling that you'll ever have in this life. And so maybe you're here looking for peace for your family. You're looking for peace for a relationship in your life. You're looking for peace on the job. Maybe something's going on. Or maybe you're needing peace even in your body. There's things going on in your body. I'm praying today that the God of peace will show up in your world. But here's the one act that I read in scripture is we have to lay down our crown if we're going to receive his crown. If we're going to receive this peace in our mind, this peace that passes understanding, we have to lay down our will to the will of God. And so today, before I'm going to invite everybody to come, I don't want anybody to be embarrassed, but here at the Calvary Church, we invite everybody to come to the altar just as an act of faith. It's a step of faith. But today when you step out, I want you to step out saying, God, I'm laying down my ideas, my thoughts to you. I need peace in my life. I need salvation in my life. I need the surrender of the presence of God in my life. You can walk out of here with your crown still on, but there's a greater crown because the crown of the king is powerful. God, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice today. Your presence is real in this place this morning. There are those, God, today that are struggling physically. God, they, they have disease in their body. They can name it. Some are just feeling the effects, God, of things in their life, and they don't even know what it is. But yet, Lord, the crown that you wear, this crown of peace, is bigger, it's greater than anything that can be named because your name is above every name. I pray against sickness today. I pray the peace of God in somebody's body today. I pray the peace of God in somebody's relationship this morning. God, they're looking for answers, they're looking for wisdom. They're struggling, Lord, to even know how to navigate this relationship problem. But Lord, I'm praying that the peace of God would come to them. I pray, God, for those who on the job, maybe they're uncertain about what's happening with their job. And they feel fear. 
Lord, I'm praying that you would speak peace to them this morning. And God, we know that it happens when we relinquish our will to your will. And I'm praying somebody would make that decision today. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.